You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning. What a joy. What a joy. It's always a joy to, um, to look down and just see uh, so many new faces. God is very, very kind to this church here. Uh, I just want to start off by saying uh, I, I really appreciate um, every one of you for serving and really contributing to the life uh, at Sun Life Church here. Last night we had our appreciation party, and for those who came down, uh, thank you for celebrating the night uh, with us, and for those who could not make it because uh, of, of your, your busy plans or just couldn't be here, I just want to... I want you to hear from me that I really appreciate you. I really, really do. Um, I said last night that um, I've been very blessed to, uh, to meet many, many congregations and, and visit many churches over the, over the years in Perth and outside of Perth. And uh, yeah, God is very kind to this church. He doesn't have to be kind. And for some reason, He chooses to be so kind. It's got nothing to do with the leaders here. It's got nothing to do with you or, or anything. It's just purely he's just decided to be kind to us as a community. And I look down and I see every week a packed house and there's always like another, I don't know how many kids and volunteers on this side of the auditorium. God has been very, very kind. And as the church gets larger, I just want you to know that uh, we need more people to do gospel work. Don't assume that because the church is at a certain size that they've got it all sussed out and everything is fine and I can just ninja Christianity, come in and then just go home. No, we need you. There are so many people here in the city of Perth who need to hear the message of a Jesus who died for them and I need you to be part of that journey. Don't feel that you've got to tick certain boxes before you can make a difference with us. Don't feel that you've got to be here for a certain number of years before you can make a difference. No, life is just too short. I was talking to a a parent just yesterday, and she said to me that um, she knew of someone who questioned and asked about Jesus um, 10 days before that person passed away. You know, life is just so fragile, and, and I'm just reminded that whilst we're still here, and God is being kind to give us airs to our lungs, we have each other, we are family, and we get to love and serve one another until the day He returns or the day He takes us home. Never, ever, ever take life for granted, brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Um, My name is Bin. Sorry, I didn't introduce myself earlier on. I'm the pastor here, and I get to preach the Word of God to you today. I just want to say, in two weeks' time, we have our Christmas service, our Christmas Eve service. It's on the 24th of December, Can I just make it very, very clear? It's not an AM service, so there'll be no one here at 10 o'clock on the 24th. Well, actually, God will be here, (laughs) but I won't be here, all right? There'll be two services in the PM. So we have one at 4.30, and we have one at 7 o'clock, all right? We're doing two services because we can only cap 300 people per service. Okay, we can only cap it at 300. And the kids will actually be in with the parents. So there's no kids program. So if you're coming to the services, your kid's going to sit with you. It's going to be chaotic, but it's going to be fun. Yeah? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
you can't just rock up. You've got to grab your tickets. It's because we need to know how many people are coming. And can I just, just let you know some numbers? Right now, the 4 p.m. service is already at 70% capacity. So if you're planning to go to the 4.30 p.m., you've got to grab your tickets. Otherwise, we're going to shut it very, very soon. The 7 p.m., I think they're at around 35%. You know, the, the 7 p.m., you're just probably a bit more cash, and you're going to be like, the last minute. Yeah, I get it. But just grab your tickets ASAP as well, right? And what we want is we want this. For those going to 4.30, the service will be over around 6 o'clock. Then you go outside, and there'll be some activities, right? We've got face painting, bouncy castle, the, the animal petting zoo. We've got live music, food trucks. Go and enjoy the festivity, all right? For those going to 7 o'clock, come early. Come at, say, 5 o'clock, 5.30, and get your face painted, and bounce and touch some animals, and come here and be part of the nativity, all right? So, and come here at 7 o'clock. But can I just say this? You've got to hop onto the church app. There's a QR code there, and just decide on which services you are going to be part of. Is that okay? So 7, 4, I mean, uh, 4.30, you're already at 70% capacity. There's around 200 people already locking in for uh, 4.30, and the 7 o'clock, there's still more plenty of room. So right now, maybe you're like deciding, just go to 7 o'clock, help the spread, go to 7 o'clock. <laughs> Immediately after the service, I've got a, uh, a quick 15-minute uh, briefing and just sharing my heart for the reason why we're doing the Christmas Eve service and to help people find a place to volunteer. Um, I'm actually opening up for everyone. So if you want to be part of uh, just making Christmas Eve happen, why don't you stay back and hear my heart and volunteer and make a difference with me? All right, so that's immediately after that. Okay, that's out of the way. Okay, if you have your Bible, turn with me now to Luke chapter 1. Uh, if you have the church app, you may also open up the church app. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. Now, this is Zechariah's song of praise, all right? Now, Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist, and he's singing. And the question is, why is he singing this song of praise? Well, him and his wife, Elizabeth, have been trying to fall pregnant for many years, and they cannot. They're old. She has problems conceiving. Now, just go with me to Luke 1, verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So they're very old. They want to have a a child, but they can't. Now look what happens in verse 13. The angel, that's angel Gabriel, said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. So there's a miracle. She's pregnant. And now Elizabeth, she would give birth months later on, and Zechariah, he breaks out to this song of praise. And that's the context for this morning's passage. And I want to take a closer look at his song of praise in response to God allowing his wife to fall pregnant. I see three things in the text, three wonderful acts of God that brings hope to you and me today. This is what they are. Number one is that God remembered his people, God redeemed his people, and God revealed himself to his people. So let me pray, 
and we'll work the text together. Father God, I pray now that as I begin to teach your word, Holy Spirit, you be our great teacher. I pray, God, that we are not just listeners, but we are doers, that you would speak to us individually, and we will respond, and we will live differently. So I invite you now to be our great teacher. Will you give us the ears and the eyes and the hearts to listen to your word? God, speak to us through me this morning. Give me your strength. I need it right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Are you ready? If you have your Bible, turn to me to Luke. Look in verse 68. God remembered his people. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people. Stop right there. God has come after a period of silence. See, God has been silent for 400 years up to this point. 400 years of no prophets of God, no presence of God, no provision of God, nothing but silence. You need to understand that from the end of Malachi, the Old Testament, to the beginning of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, there is this period where we call it the intertestamental period, a period where there was 400 years of complete silence. And they are waiting. They are questioning, where is the God of Moses, Jacob? Where is He? It's been 400 years. Now, has anyone here ever, ever forgotten someone's special day? Don't, don't need to put up your hand. Your girlfriend's birthday, your wedding anniversary, Valentine's Day. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? Because social media will tell you it's on, right? If you forget Valentine's Day and you're dating, you need counseling, all right? <laughs> Can't mess that one, right? right? Imagine I forgot my wife trans birthday. Now, God forbid that shall never, ever happen in the name of Jesus, right? But imagine if I forgot her birthday, not for one year, but several years. Now, I I'm pretty sure my wife would be thinking, well, maybe he doesn't love me. Maybe he's no longer faithful to me. Maybe he's not committed to me. Maybe he's forgotten me. That's exactly what God's people were thinking over those 400 years of silence. Did God forget us? But in Zechariah's song, he says, God has come. He hasn't forgotten them. He's here. That's why the first Christmas is God Emmanuel, God with us. God is here he begins to say that, no, no longer waiting. He hasn't forgotten us. He is here. He remembered us. Now look in verse 69 to 72. He says, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he what said through his holy prophets of long ago. As he said in the old time, long ago, he will give us salvation. He hasn't forgotten. He remembered us. He's going to provide us a way out. 71, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The promises of God, the covenant of God, he remembers them. He is here the text is very clear. God is faithful in remembering His promises. God is faithful in remembering His people. And for some of you here, listen carefully, you need to hear this first point. 
you're waiting for God, you're longing for God to do something in your current situation, and it seems like God is silent in His past, maybe for some of you here this morning, you've given up hope. Maybe for some of you here this morning, you no longer believe that God is loving you and God remembers you. Maybe for some of you, you think that God has forgotten you. Friends, I have some wonderful news that God hasn't forgotten you. He remembers you. He knows exactly what you're going through. He's the same God yesterday. He's the same God in your current situation today. And He'll be the same God forevermore. He hasn't forgotten you, my friends. He still remembers you. He remembers you and He loves you. The author of Hebrew would say this in chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. It is so encouraging to know that God remembers us even when we have lost hope in Him. He is still faithful to you and I even when we are no longer faithful towards Him. The Word of God is very, very clear. He remembers us. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, He remains what? Faithful. Sun Life Church, listen carefully. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where there's always going to be ups and downs. We live in a world where we do things and we regret doing those things. We live in a world where people will hurt us or we will hurt others. That's the reality of the world we live in. But praise God that He is perfect. Praise God that He is holy. Praise God that He is faithful. He never fails. He keeps His promises and He remembers us. That when we are weak, He is strong. And when we fail, He is able. When we are hating, He's still loving. And when we are faithless, He's faithful. That is a message of hope for us today. That for some of you this morning here, do not give up on God. Don't lose hope. God hasn't forgotten you. In your season, which may be right now a season, a season of silence, God still remembers you. Keep pursuing Him. Keep running after Him. Keep putting your faith in Him and believe that He will intervene whenever He is ready. He is a faithful God. He remembers us. Amen. And that's what we see in the text. And I believe that's the same God today. Number two, God redeemed his people. Go back to verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. You know, the word redemption means uh, deliverance. When something or someone is delivered, it's a slave trade terminology back in the day. There's a ransom involved. In other words, there is an exchange. Something must take place for someone or something to be released, all right? So theologically, redemption uh, refers ultimately to the work of Jesus who came to accomplish our redemption by what? Giving up his life for us. I quote uh, J.I. Packer. He says this, a New Testament reference to the blood of Christ are regularly sacrificial. As a perfect sacrifice for sin, Christ's death was our ransom, our redemption. Our rescue by ransom, the paying of a price that freed us from the jeopardy of guilt, enslavement to sin, the expectation of wrath. 
The end goal of redemption is rescue. Salvation is the prize of redemption. That's the reason why, if we look carefully in the text, there's a lot of references to salvation. For example, verse 69, he raised up a horn of salvation, you see, for us in the house of his servant David. 71, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us. 74, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. 77, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sin. And what the Jews didn't understand, right? the Jews thought that God would save them from the hands of the Roman Empire. But no, God would save them from the penalty of sin. And that's the good news. And that's something we all need. We need to hear that. We need that. Your friends need that. People that you know who may not know that need that. Jesus once said this in Matthew 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, right? To, to serve, sorry, and give up his life as a ransom for many. See, God came into this world as our ransom. And on the cross, we know we've come out from death into life. We're no longer part of the kingdom of darkness, but now belong to a kingdom of light. The old is gone and the new is here. And that's the reason why later on with baptism, we get to baptize these beautiful people as a public display that God has what? Redeemed them. God has given up his life for them and they're no longer old, but now they live as new. The Christmas message is that. I, I, I saw a... Um, a video clip not long ago, and this interviewer asked a young lady by the street and asked her, what do you think is Christmas? And she kind of giggled, oh, isn't that when Jesus died? Well, I reckon she's kind of right, because Jesus did come with the ultimate goal to die as our ransom to bring about redemption. And that's something that we have. And that is an amazing, amazing good news. That he would purchase us. He would give us that new life. It reminds me of a story of a little boy who was carrying his brand new boat by the edge of the river. As he carefully placed it on the water and slowly letting it go with the string still attached, suddenly a strong current caught the boat and he tried to pull it back but the string broke and the little boat raced away downstream. So the boy ran along the shore trying to catch up to grab his boat, but it slipped out of sight. And as the afternoon went by, it got dark. So the boy went back home, quite sad because he's lost the little boat he made. A few days later, as he head towards school, he noticed by the shop window store, there was a little boat. And he came closely to look at the boat and he realized, Oh, that's, that's my boat. And he ran inside to the uh, store manager and said, Hey, sir, uh, that's my boat. Can I have my boat back? And the man said, I'm so sorry. Earlier on this morning, someone brought the boat in. And if you want that boat, you have to buy it. It's only $10. So the young boy ran back home, counted all his money, got $10, went back to the store, ran straight to the counter and said, Sir, Here's $10, I want my boat. 
the man passed him his boat. And as he was walking out the store, he was hugging his boat, kissing his boat. And he says, now you're twice mine. First, when I made you. Secondly, when I brought you. You understand, we belong to God at creation. And we also belong to God at redemption. That's how much he loves us. He loves you and I so much that he gave up his son to redeem us so that we belong to him. And here's the wonderful thing about that. No one can take that away. Nothing. No matter how rocky life gets, you are secured because he was the one who purchased your life back. No one can take that away. You live with hope. Even if your world is crumbling, even if you know that life is going to be cut short, no one can take away the fact that you belong to Him, He's purchased you, that your security is secured in Him, that you belong to Him forevermore. That is wonderful. And for those who've placed their trust in Jesus, that is yours. He came to redeem you, and no one can ever take that away. Amen? Lastly, is that He revealed Himself to His people. Look in verse 76 and 77. And you, my child, so now Zechariah is actually talking to his son, right about John. You will be called a prophet of the Most High. And you will go before the Lord to prepare the way to him. Now, if you know your Bible, John the Baptist would, would go before to say, hey, this is the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, right? To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sin. What, what do you notice right there? John's role is to give people knowledge that Jesus, right, is the answer to the problem of sin. When you give knowledge, you're revealing something. This is how you fix a leaking tap. That's knowledge. You're revealing how to fix a tap. This is how you bake a cake. This is how you send a text message. You're revealing information through knowledge. Now look at the last two verses. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come up to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. What is he saying? He's saying there is light shining in darkness to give us a path of peace. The light is actually providing information, revealing that peace is only through Jesus. Here's my last point is that the coming of Jesus in the very first Christmas is God's revelation that His plan to save us is through His Son. That's the information. This was concealed in the Old Testament. It's now revealed in the person of Jesus. And my friend, there's only one way to the Father, and we know that's through Jesus. Is that right? Only one way. That information, that revelation was made clear in the very first Christmas. There's only one way to the Father. It's not your good works. It's not what you do. It's not how much money you give. It's not even if you go to a Christian school. It's not if you are brought up in a Christian family. There's only one way to the Father. And the revelation is this. It's only through Jesus That's why I always say this to parents. I always say this to parents. 
Never make the assumption that your children will be saved. You have to do your part. You have to model Christ-likeness to them. You have to pray with them. Just because they're brought up in a Christian family, don't make the assumption that they'll be all right. You've got to love them and show them the ways of Jesus. You've got to make sure that coming to service on Sunday is a priority. Do not make this optional. You've got to encourage them to be part of Sun Life Kids. You've got to encourage them to come to Sun Life Youth. It's not optional. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. Jesus said this, that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And friends, this is important for us to understand. If you know that, if you have that revelation, you are now a carrier of that hope. He revealed Himself to you so that you carry that hope to share that to someone else. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. You see, the context to this chapter, Paul is saying that all believers, you carry a hope. And that hope is the gospel. That God revealed Himself in the person of Jesus. That you placed your trust in Jesus, you are saved. And if you know that, and I know that a lot of you know that, you carry that. You carry that hope. You have a responsibility now to share that. Jars of clay. Do you know the reason why Paul would use the analogy jars of clay? Because back in those days, the potter would make jars out of clay. We know that. But every jar is different. They didn't have a machine to make jars that are identical. Every jar that the potter mold will be different. That means that you and I are all different. We're all unique. Our approach will be different. The people that you reach will be different to the people that I reach. Your testimonies different to my testimony. Your method different to method. That's the reason why we all need each other to share the hope that's already in us. We are carriers of this hope. God has revealed Himself to us that we know that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And if you know that, you're carrying this hope. Share that hope. This season is a wonderful season to share that hope. Maybe invite someone over to your place for a Christmas dinner and share them the hope that you carry. Maybe get them coming along here on Christmas Eve and share them the hope that is within you. The holidays, hey, parents, great opportunity to invite other parents to come over and share them the hope. God has revealed Himself to a lot of you here this morning. You know that. It's in you. Share that hope. We have hope because God remembers us. We have hope because God redeems us. We have hope He's revealed Himself to us. May we live in that hope. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us as we begin to move into a time of baptism. Father, thank you so much that uh, in uh, your word, in your word, you remind us that this season is a season of hope. We are not to lose hope because you came. You came to remember us. You came to redeem us and to reveal yourself to us. I pray for Sun Life Church. I pray for her, God, that in this season, 
yet we would live differently and people would see Jesus in us. And as we grow, I pray, we grow with more people coming into the faith, people meeting Jesus, that in your grace, you would take them out of death and give them life. So Lord, thank you so much for this day. Bless us. May you encourage us in this time of baptism. Remind us, Lord, of your grace towards us. People who do not deserve it, but yet you've been so kind. Oh, we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.